All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome you to a brand new episode of SCAR. Now, SCAR stands for Seeking Courage and Redemption with Dustin Rivenbark. And we have a great guest on the line today. But before we get into all of that, I want to tell you a little bit of the intent of the podcast, kind of the the why are we here, so to speak. And we're here to work out our trials and tribulations and hardships in such a way that we can begin to unfold the plan and purpose for our lives. Now, you may be asking, okay, Dustin, that's nice and all, but why do I need to listen to Scar? And the truth is, we all have stuff. We all have things, hardships. Uh, we all have stuff that that can even stack up in our lives and change the trajectory of our lives if we don't come together, put our heads together, and walk through this life together. Now, that, my friend, is why you need to be listening to SCAR because we have great guests such as the one that's on the line today that come and share their hardships or uh, expertise and help us to overcome. That being said, I would like to introduce to you Miss Rihanna Milne. Say, say hello, Miss Rihanna. Hi, everyone. Hi, Dustin. Thank you so much for having me today. Absolutely, and thank you for being on here. Now, you are from Palm Beach. Tell me a little bit about the weather. What's going on in Palm Beach? It's beautiful, sunny, 86 degrees. I'm very fortunate to be living in paradise. You know, occasionally a hurricane will roll through, but most of the time it's quite beautiful. Lots of nature and palm trees and birds and flowers all year round. It's quite beautiful. Man, you are you are painting me a dream picture right there. I love it. So <laughs> pretty nice. Well, uh, so so you are a a life and love coach and uh, relationship coach slash uh, childhood trauma expert and speaker. Um, today, I want to touch a little bit. Uh, I want to touch a lot of bit on the childhood trauma aspect of of your. Um, uh, uh, of your of your job, of your mission, of your goal, your purpose. Tell me a little bit about why childhood trauma is important to you and kind of how you got into this. Okay, well, as I say it, um, I have a podcast called Lessons in Life and Love, and my mission is to change the way the world loves by people understanding how to be the, the most emotionally healthy, evolved, and conscious person that they can be. And when there's two people being like that in a love relationship, you have the best successes and longevity for a happy relationship. So that's my mission in doing that. And uh, I had experienced something personally. So it was a personal endeavor for partially my healing and helping my psychotherapy patients heal from a trauma and I discovered that what my ex-partner had was some severe childhood traumas that were never really consciously known or healed. Can can you touch so That's what started me on this work. Can you can you touch us uh, a little bit what are some different traumas that people um, may not even recognize damage the way that they view life, love, relationships? What are some different things that maybe they don't even recognize um, uh, could be affecting them? Well, I have what I developed what's called the Childhood Trauma Checklist. Okay. Which are the top ten checklists 
traumas that people mostly experience, and the research shows people experience one to three of these at the very least, and that childhood trauma goes through at least three generations. Now, if somebody's curious in doing this or they're listening in the car and can't write down these answers as I go through the top 10, you can get that list right on my website, which is rihannamilne.com. So as I go through the top 10 traumas, um, I want to emphasize this is not about blame or shame. We're not looking to blame your mom and dad at this point in your life, but just to understand that if you had childhood trauma, it is almost guaranteed that they came from trauma. And it's not about shame of self, because when you are a small child, you are just a product of your environment and you learn coping mechanisms in a very young immature child's mind right the problem is over time a lot of these patterns become normalized and then ingrained and as an adult you're still using them or you know they're just wreaking havoc in your adult love relationships or in life or in career so if you'd like i'll run through the top 10 no, absolutely. I want to go. I want to go through this because I can already tell this is going to be um, gold here for for our listeners. And uh, again, I just want to say the impact from childhood trauma is so big. As one who actually walked through uh, uh, some of that growing up, it can be quite detrimental to one's mental health and 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 all of that going through yeah. life. So, yes, take us on a journey. Okay, so the first one is if your caregivers or mom or dad had any addiction. Now, I'm also an LCADC other than licensed mental health counselor. So LCADC is licensed certified drug and alcohol addictions counselor. So I named 12 addictions. So there's drugs, alcohol, porn, gambling, hoarding, spending, eating, gaming, TV watching, sex addiction, meaning you knew your parent was cheating, Uh, TV watching, and uh, social media is one that I'm naming now because a lot of social media is taking parents away from their children. They're kind of addicted to whatever's going on on their phones or in the computers. Mm. Um, So that's the first one, any type of addiction. Second is emotional abuse So and neglect. Do you know what that is? The third one is verbal abuse. Now, this is an interesting one, and it's very profound. Most people would say, well, that's yelling and screaming at me. Yes, that could be it, but also witnessing mom and dad yelling at each other or not hearing the words, I love you, mm. not hearing, great job, kiddo, I'm proud of you, and instead you hear verbal put-downs like, why don't you change that? You look pretty fat in that. Yeah. You know, so it could be a lot of verbal messages that had come your way over time that just made you feel unworthy or not good enough. Um, so verbal is a big one. I love, I love in that. Is, sorry, sorry, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I, I, I love that in that verbal abuse, you don't just say the things that you may have heard, but verbal abuse can also come in the things you never heard. That is, that's, that's something right. we don't think about. baby boomer and you know my mom did not say the words I love you and I asked her she was well we I didn't hear those words yeah you know I grew up in the great depression we were all worried about survival it wasn't time to be emotional you Mm. know And and I said well your kids need to hear this mom you know it's important 
Right. I finally had that conversation at age 24 with her. You know, so, um, and then the, the thing is, you know, if you become a parent, you know, and I said, I'm going to become the mother I always wanted. So my kids hear it all the time, you right, know. Right. Um, so we can always change whatever patterns we were given. That's the yes. important thing. Yeah. Okay, so the next one is physical abuse, uh, rape, or molestation. And the physical abuse could have happened inside or outside of the home. You know, if you went to school, your home life could have been perfect, but walking to school, you might have been beat up by a group of kids or something like that. The next one is abandonment. And there's fault and no-fault abandonment. So a no-fault abandonment would be, you know, if a parent happened to die early, if they went off to war, or if they um, traveled a lot for work. Now, I worked in the schools with kids of trauma who were emotionally upset. I had a lot of the ADHD uh, identified kids, but a lot of these kids really weren't ADHD. Instead, they came from traumatic homes or situations, and when cortisol is up, which is a flight or fight response, memory and focus goes down. So way back in early 2000s, I had Ms. Rihanna's relaxation room. They're in there meditating. I use music therapy, you know, talk therapy, and I'd send them back to the classroom very zen, you know, chilled out, able to focus, and their grades went up, and I did positive motivational techniques to help them as well. So anyway, um, you know, I saw a lot of students really suffering when, you know, in U.S. that their parents were off at war, worrying, are my parents going to come home? You know, they couldn't focus on school. They mm-hmm. were worried about survival things. Okay, so, um, and then work, when a, tra- a parent travels for work, that was one that I had to experience because we didn't know it, but my dad was FBI and CIA. Right. And I remember asking, when's my dad coming home? And my mom said, well, I don't know where he is. And I'm thinking, what kind of answer is that? Right, what? terrible answer, <laughs> yeah, know? right. And why doesn't she know where my dad is? Is he okay? So, but he was working, and that was his way of supporting the family, but he couldn't tell us, you know, for own protection. Um, and we just found out, that, you know, in the end when he was sick with cancer. But long story short, there's all these innocent things that most people don't even think about, you know, and as I'm doing this research, I'm like, yes, you know, my dad was not home due to his work. So that's a no-fault abandonment. A fault abandonment would be never being involved with your child's life, being involved to some point, and maybe the couple breaks up and then that parent goes off and is never involved or rarely involved. Um, Even emotional abandonment can happen in the home. That could be, let's say a father goes off to work, comes home, eats his dinner, and then puts himself in front of the TV and never interacts with a kid or doesn't go to their sport events or whatever's important to them. That's emotional abandonment. You're just not involved. It just shows like you don't really care. Uh, so kids suffer from that as well. Rihanna, is there um, is there a difference in fault abandonment and neglect? Is there is there a difference in that? Um, not much. I okay. Mean, abandonment would be almost leaving. Got you. Right? Got you. Okay. It's okay. Leaving, checking out emotionally. Like, you know, there could be, let's say, a father at home, but he goes off and gambles every night. Gotcha, you know, gotcha. That's a fault, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. that he is choosing that over being with his family. Um, neglect is, you know, usually around financial. 
uh-huh. um, can't provide, you know, can't get their children baths or showers or uh, clean clothes, you right. know, that type of thing. Gotcha. But there's different definitions. Okay. Um, so those are fault and not fault. Okay. Then there is um, number six, adoption, foster care or needing to go live in another family's household, even if that's a grandparent or an aunt because your parents can't keep you in their house, uh, or they lose a house. The next one, number seven, is one of the most common, I call it personal traumas, and this is if you were ever bullied or you felt different or not good enough. So this could have been an overweight child, a skinny and gawky child that was called a nerd, um, just felt different. It could be an African-American child in a primarily Caucasian school. It could be a young adult coming out as LGBTQ. Um, there's all different kinds of ways of feeling different, not fitting in. Uh, a sickly child maybe with asthma that couldn't be on the sport teams and they felt different or couldn't be the football star for their dad. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's so many different things under number seven. Gotcha. Trauma number eight is sibling trauma. That could be if a sibling was born sick and the parent needed to give them more time and attention. Mm. It could be the sibling was the golden child. They were favored for being this star athlete or more beautiful, handsome, smarter, whatever, in comparing yourself to that sibling. Or it could be the sibling picked on you, bullied you. Trauma number nine has two pieces, one of the other from the higher list. Number 11 had to be moved down to the top 10 because it became so prevalent. Years ago, it was not as much, but that's community trauma. Now, everyone around our globe has experienced community trauma with COVID. Yes. But look how it's affecting our kids. They can't go to school. They're not allowed to play with friends. They don't really understand. My mom or dad gets sick. They're losing grandparents. It's a very scary, scary time for young people. Um, Race relations. Yeah. Yeah. It's also our school shootings, our community shootings, the unrest in our streets today. This is all community trauma. Um, Personal uh, family trauma is the other part of number nine, family trauma. So that could be a family that has to move every two to four years because they're in the military. That displaces the child to put them in new schools every couple of years. It could be a family that's living in poverty or worried about paying their bills and they might lose their homes. Again, we're seeing a lot of that going on due to COVID right now. Um, Growing up in a dangerous neighborhood, a parent that's incarcerated. So that's family trauma. And then the last one is mental health issues in mom or dad. The baby boomers, our parents really didn't go to counseling. We kind of have to guess. The two hardest for a child to grow up with is bipolar and borderline personality. So borderline personality disorder would be fast trigger anger, severe moodiness. When they're good, they're great. When they're bad, they're horrid. And you never know what you're going to get. So it's very hard for a child to bond with a parent like that, and they're always on edge. And bipolar is manic depressive. Manic can come out like a gambling or spending spree and eating binge. Um, And depression can come out like uh, anger, emotionally checking out, or extreme fatigue. 
So those are the top ten. And like I said, Dustin, there are a few more. <laughs> with all my research and working with people of trauma, whether it was in the hospitals, in the schools, in the drug and alcohol facilities, as a licensed mental health counselor and LPC in New Jersey, in the schools and various settings, I was always working with people of trauma. And then I had the private practice as well. And I just kept seeing the same patterns over and over and over again. And then when this happened in my own love relationship, that I, you know, I said to my partner, you know, why would you do such an impulsive act that made him lose his work as a school principal? And he goes, I don't know. I don't know why I sabotage everything I love. Yeah. And I yeah. said, I'm going to find out why. And that's when I proceeded to do this research. Look, I, I just want to pause for a second. And I want to run back through these. And as somebody who's here in these 10, for the very first time, I want to let all the listeners, as well as you know, uh, this is so important because this encapsulates. Uh, I think ju- this is everybody. Like, like let's let's yeah. let's run through these again, okay? You've got you've got addictions, drug, alcohol, pornography, gambling, all the way down to social media. Um, that stings in the heart right there because I know um, I've done that. I've been a victim of being on my own phone too much around my kids. And then uh, you've got you've got emotional, and then you've got verbal abuse, physical abuse, abandonment, whether fault or no fault, adoption, foster care, personal trauma, sibling trauma. I know so many who are dealing with sibling trauma from many different. Uh, many different points of view, like you, like you named, community trauma. That is all of us somewhere. There is something going on within our communities that is affecting all of us. Uh, this, well, especially in this past year. Yes, and so I think there's so it's much. Been a very we can, difficult year. You know, I think we can really learn learn from from all of this. The mom or dad mental health issues. You're exactly right. The baby boomer generation, they didn't get diagnosis. I am for certain that my mother was was bipolar or something like that, but they did not have diagnosis. She was super fast triggered, and she was su- man, uh, she was great when she was great, and it was horrible when it was horrible, and so it was a yeah, roller coaster. That's borderline. Yeah, and 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 so now let me ask you this: when you when you look at all of these top ten uh, trauma, how does that affect one's ability to love or one's ability to function in adulthood? What are some de- examples of of bad patterns, destructive patterns? Sure. Yeah, let me go into that. Well, it impacts people in life. And life could be ongoing anxiety, bouts of depression, uh, feeling stuck and can't move forward, can't lose weight, feeling sickly, uh, irritable bowel syndromes, migraine, so physical ailments. Um, in love, it comes out many different ways. It could be, it could show up, let's say, jealousy and control. That could be someone that had trauma number seven, the bullying, didn't feel good enough, and the verbal messages um, that they're no good, almost now to no good, so they might fall in love, but then they're very jealous, controlling, afraid mm-hmm. someone's going to take them away from them. Someone that's into lying and manipulation may have had a very abusive, let's say a father, who, you know, every little thing he would 
smack him if he was, you know, being bad, quote unquote. So he would learn to lie to avoid the punishment. Wow. And this person grows up to be an expert liar and manipulator to get what they want and to avoid pain. Impulsivity could be someone who grew up poor and at, you know, say, well, I deserve this. I want this. And they just buy it or take it or get it because they weren't allowed to have it when they were young. Mm. So that could come out that way. Perfectionism, needing to be perfect, needing to control the partner. People that have control issues usually grew up in a household where there was little control. There was a lot of yelling and, and acting out. And as adults, they must crave that control. Now, control in the workplace can be great can be very organized and have control and get a lot done and be quite successful. Mm. A lot of my clients are very successful in business but struggle in love because they figured it out. Or let's say a child that was berated at home uh, by their parents, they might have become the teacher's pet and gotten good grades. So they're like, okay, with good grades, I can get out of the house, maybe get a scholarship. I'll show them, I'll amount to something, you know, and then they can succeed in business, but then they never quite handle the love piece. So so how does that translate? Like people that have imposter syndrome, they become successful, like our, our actors or entertainers, and then they sabotage themselves, feeling they don't really deserve it. They don't deserve the high income or the praise. Um, and a lot of people get into the acting field that have come from trauma. I do have some celebrity clients that, you know, that's, they said I wanted to be noticed. I wasn't noticed at home. I was always told I'd be nothing. And I wanted to prove I could be something, you know. So things like that where they wanted to be noticed and then later it catches up with them with imposter syndrome. Um, I think that's a, a why... Lot of women a lot of times you see suicide rates in your in your famous actors and all of that kind of kind of skyrocketing it's like they get the world the, the world at their fingertips and realize that that's not that that's not what they were after all along right you know it's the self love and and the confidence and love of friends the yeah. simple things that make people happy but mm-hmm. They're driven by, you know, this need to be successful mm-hmm. because of what happened in their childhood. A lot of women have people-pleasing behavior. Again, let's say a young girl grew up with an alcoholic mom, and she was negative and angry and hung over in the morning, so this little girl would get up and get her siblings up, dress, make the lunches, get them to the school bus, do everything so her mom wouldn't be screaming at her and her siblings. And then, you know, she's used to people-pleasing, and she might get some love, like a thanks, hon, or something where, you know, not the yelling and the screaming. And uh, then, you know, they'll come in as a married woman and say, I don't know why my husband and my kids don't love me as much as I love them. I do everything for them, and they do nothing for me. So she's using people-pleasing behavior to get love because that was the pattern she learned as a child. That was her survival system. Mm. And then any kind of abandonment issues often leads to clinginess, codependent behavior, love addiction. So people that have love addiction, the average rate of breaking up and getting back together with someone who's toxic is seven times. And then if they finally break free of that one, it usually tends 
to be a, a similar person of a similar personality type in the next partner. We call that relationship repetition syndrome. Same type of person, different face, same personality type over and over again. Yes. Yes, and we see that so common in, in, in a lot of our uh, young women and, and men today, and, and we see them getting into a lot of the same relationships, and, and sometimes you want to look at them and say, you know, are you serious? Why again the same? And 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 a lot of times there's often deep-rooted issues there that have led them into that same type of relationship over and over and over. Well, uh, yeah, unfortunately, especially in the U.S. here, we learn that falling in love happens through chemistry, mm-hmm. especially the males. Um, they're hardwired for attraction because they are their caveman brain is made to procreate the race. But it's, that's one of the most dangerous ways to fall in love because it takes you right back to your childhood dynamics, what is normalized and, quote, comfortable, unquote, in the brain. So people will repeat the same dysfunctional patterns going for the same type of people that aren't emotionally healthy if they grew up that way. And people of trauma attract people of trauma. The good news is you can stop the pattern by working with, uh, you know, I'm a CCTP, Certified Clinical Trauma Professional. So it's very important that you work with someone that's really uh, educated in the trauma piece. So for someone that may be noticing some of these symptoms playing out in their life or some of these things, uh, how does someone even begin to find healing through their trauma? Well, it's quite a process. Um, I work with people four to six months. The trauma work says ideally it's six months. Uh, We do things to get trauma out of the brain and the body cells. Uh, I have a 150-page workbook based on my research, so they do worksheets, they give them back to me. From their answers, I can tell what they're slipping into or what they revert back to. So everybody is a different puzzle. Some people like are failing in their career, they keep getting fired, or they're bossy, um, you know, so they're not succeeding in business, or they're afraid to take the next step. Uh, People that have come from lack of money don't invest in themselves, so they never grow in their career because they're afraid to spend the money. There's all different kinds of dynamics. That's why when I meet someone, I do a one-hour discovery session to see what their childhood traumas were, how they're showing up in their adult life, and then we take it from there. So I do a lot of mindset work. It's a lot of ways of thinking. Um, There is a lot of faith-based philosophy in this because it's very important to have spirituality for healing and faith to, let's say you come from an abusive marriage, to learn the new dating techniques that you may have never learned. Most of us have not learned them by our parents or in schools. So, you know, to open up your hearts and your minds to loving again, unconditionally, without fear, without hesitation, without jealousy or control. You know, so it's it's uh, 50% life coaching and 50% love coaching. And we have to get the life portion done first. We look at every area of their life, from friendships to family, siblings, career, how are they handling money, how are they emotionally, are they happy, um, everything. We look at everything in their life, and then we work on the goals of the, the life they desire. What is it they desire? And we get started on those, and they learn how to refocus 
and uh, start their life in, in a new way, in a mm-hmm. new way of thinking. And as we go along, when I see the negative fear-based thinking, we have to correct it, which is called tapping. Uh, we have to forgive the childhood trauma, and forgiveness is a big spiritual piece of this. Rewrite the stories over the anger and the pain of what they experienced as a child. And then, you know, learn the techniques to attract emotionally healthy conscious love and you know, not fall in love by chemistry. You're talking a lot about it being emotionally healthy um, and, and relationships and all. What what does the emotionally healthy the involved relationship look like? What what does that what does one even I mean, what do we strive for? Okay, so evolved means being your highest and your best self. And all the research shows if there's two spiritual faith based people, they do make the happiest relationships. So evolved and when you're spiritual you have an accountability, right, to morals and values and doing the right things, which is integrity, doing the right things when nobody is looking. And when you have that centered self, uh, feeling good about who you are, your confidence goes up. Um, you know, you're, you're bringing an emotionally healthy person that can talk through issues and not hold them inside or be angry or passive aggressive, right. right? So we have to get you emotionally healthy. And for my couples, I say it's you and me against the world. In other words, they have to put their partner or their spouse first really important. Too many say, no, we have to put the kids first. Well, no, not really, because if you keep putting the kids first, your marriage falls apart. So you have to put your partner first to keep the marriage happy. When the marriage is happy, the kids are happy. And then there's a balance between you, me, and us. So each of you have to find some purpose and enjoyment in your work. So let's say the woman really enjoys her work all day, the man hates his job, so he comes home to a happy woman but complains and unloads and vents for an hour he's angry with the kids again so this is going to cause heartache so mm-hmm. it has to be two individuals that each have their childhood traumas uh, and their life in order happy and then you know it's you me and us so your time could be you know time at the gym in meditation or yoga class doing your work that you love and then, you know, your us time is your date time where you're going out and just spending quality time with your partner. Gotcha. Uh, for my singles, I say you have to be what you want to attract. So, you know, if you want an emotionally healthy partner, you have to get your moods aligned. You have to heal this, uh, anything that you're dealing with with past trauma. If you want a financially secure partner, are you that? You know, you don't want someone to rescue you. You don't want to have to need a partner. You want to desire one. So it's two strong, healthy people coming together. Um, You want to know what your top requirements are. When I work with younger people, I always say, let's say it's a woman, are you someone that sees yourself as wanting to be a mother and a wife, you know, a wife and a mom? Oh, absolutely, I want to have kids. So if she's out there dating for chemistry, she could be falling in love with someone that doesn't want kids. So my people ask by the first or second date, are you a man that sees yourself as wanting to marry and having kids? And a lot of women are petrified to ask that question. Oh, I'll turn them off. It's like, look, a man wants kids will say, yeah, I want to be a dad one day. (laughs) You know? 
beyond the fears of speaking up for what you want. You know, these are what we call requirements. And then there's emotional needs and functional needs. The emotional needs are things like affection and loyalty and uh, thoughtfulness and how they treat you in an emotional and loving way. Functional needs, are they a good communicator? Are they a great co-parent? Do they help you around the household? Um, and then you have to have a shared vision for your life together. You know, if one wants to retire in Florida because they love the sunshine, the other one wants to retire on a ski mountain, well, then you don't have the same vision and life together. So you have to have a shared vision that you're both working towards to make your life feel complete and have purpose look these are golden nuggets i mean for relationships for all the way around just i mean this this is really good stuff thanks it is important <laughs> and then of course the faith-based practice together yes very important very important uh -huh. and so we often um you know, I, I've heard it said all the time that opposites attract. I love the fact that you said, be who you want to attract. And so uh, that's so important. Um, and so to kind of to kind of sum this all up and kind of kind of wrap it all up in a in you actually have several um, you you have several gifts and things that that you offer on this topic as well as books. Can you run us through how we could find out more about this topic of childhood trauma? How we could find out more about you um, as a person and what you do? Sure, sure. My website, RihannaMilm.com, is the best place to start. First, I have a free ebook on how to have the love you deserve, and it has a childhood trauma checklist there. Under the quizzes tab, I have four free love tests. So whether you're single or in a coupled relationship, you should do all four of those. They're free. And then my number one best-selling book, Love Beyond Your Dreams, Break Free of Toxic Relationships to Have the Love You Deserve, and its sister book, which is Live Beyond Your Dreams, From Fear and Doubt to Personal Power, Purpose, and Success, which is all about the mindset for success in life, love, and business. Those books have at least 60 pages free to download, so free sample chapters under the books tab. And then my podcast, Lessons in Life and Love, uh, .com is the main website, or under Coach Rihanna Milne on YouTube, I have 250, I think, videos, and my podcasts are on there too, so lots of free education um, that you can get. And my podcast, I just placed uh, 101 shows so uh, there's a lot of education there for you. And and so let me just spell this for you guys. It's R-I-A-N-A-M-I-L-N-E.com. Rihanna Milne.com. And so you have a lot of goodies, and I'm even going to go back uh, and take a deep dive into your podcast. I'm a podcast junkie. I love it. And, uh, and I'm just going to tell you what, I, I can't thank you enough for coming on here, bringing your expertise. The, the 10, um, check the, the 10 trauma checklist is just that, that is fantastic. I, I never looked at it and, and saw it all laid down in one place like that. And it's just beautiful to know and, uh, emotionally healthy, involved relationships. Um, wow. And I can't wait to get my hands on your book. 
and and so we are we are super excited to have you on. Any last words uh, for our listeners? Yes, as we were talking before we recorded, that time is really short. So now is the time to create the life you desire and to have the love you deserve. Don't mm. wait. Start today. Wow. Thank you so much, Rihanna. That has been You're welcome. This Dustin. has been a powerful, powerful podcast. If you will hold on for just a minute, as for our listeners, we will see you in the next couple of days. <laughs>